Okay, right on. So check this out. We have, um, we're, we're going on five months now as a church, and this is really a series, and if you were here last week, it's going to be a little bit of rerun for you in the beginning, but this is our core series. Um, I am not the type of person at all that aspires to write a book at all. Uh, but I also told people for years and years and years, I would never plant a church, <laughs> and here we are. And so as we've been going through this series, it's really just become like a thumbprint on my heart, um, sort of like our DNA or our core as a church, this idea of we're, we're a living story. Our story uh, is how we show the goodness of God, how we live our lives is a reflection unto the glory of God. And so um, there's a lot that we'll dig into, but I said all that to say, I'm going to be a little bit repetitive here, uh, if you were here last week, just because this is the base, this is the core, this is the DNA, uh, not only of the series, but of our church. And so, um, obviously, in the summer, you dip a little bit in attendance. Obviously, you can look around the room and see that, but that's okay. That's why we decided to put this series here, because you kind of have a core. You kind of have a committed, and, uh, and so we're going to go through this over the next nine weeks. I don't, I'm not typically the type of person who likes to do a series for that long, um, normally, we just kind of stick to whatever the month is. If it's four weeks or five weeks, that's what we do. Um, but this whole thing, we want to basically take all of June and all of July to talk about what is it to live a vertical story. And I'm, and I'm going to try to go fast, and I'm going to try to be short, um, but I'm also giving you a lot of information about who we are. And so the reason we chose vertical story as our web domain and some of our hashtags and some of that stuff I know is branding and over some of your heads, but... Um, Instead of picking verticalchurch.com, we chose verticalstory.com, one, for a marketing reason. We feel like um, if people saw ver a bumper sticker that said verticalchurch.com, they would say, oh, that's a church, and they probably wouldn't look it up. If they saw verticalstory.com, they would say, oh, I wonder what that's about. It actually happened to me on a bumper sticker on the east side that said twowordstory.com, and I was like, oh, I wonder what that's about. Um, if it said two-word church, I would have been like, okay, that's a church. So part of the reason we picked verticalstory.com is it's, it's catchy, people might look it up, but the other part of it is it's what we believe, it's what we're gonna talk about. We are all living a story. And the reason that we pull in this idea of vertical is we believe that, and I'll explain it a little bit here in scripture, we believe that when we live in a way that we give testimony of what God is doing in our life, that goes up. We give testimony unto God, we give glory unto God. Nothing is about our accomplishments or what we do. It's always reflecting back unto God. And so uh, the scripture says that it's God who gives us the ability to gain wealth. And we know that. And so with our resources, we give glory back unto God by, by being generous people. Um, we know that if, if with grace uh, and forgiveness, we know that if we weren't forgiven by God, uh, we would be stuck in our sin and our trespasses. And so we forgive others because God forgave unto us. And so it's this vertical uh, way that we live, always unto God, always giving glory unto God. And, and so it's always about giving him praise and lifting his name up. The scripture that we use for that is it says that, when God be lifted up, or when I be lifted up, when Jesus be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And so we believe that when we're a community that loves people and forgives people and is generous to other people, when we live that way, and it's all reflected unto God, when we lift his name on high as a community, it draws people unto God. Somebody say amen. Um, and so our, our way of living is, hey, we don't ever want to take any credit for ourselves. That's a, essentially what got the devil kicked out of heaven. He said, hey, um, I can do it like that. I can do it like God. Why don't you guys look at me? And so he tried to take some of the glory away from God and put it onto himself. And that's essentially what pride is. 
And, uh, and so we want to live in a way that we're always reflecting the goodness of God and giving glory unto God. And so, so 2 Corinthians 3.1 says this, sort of this letter, of course, uh, in, in the New Testament. And it says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Verse 2, for you, for yourselves, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. Verse 3, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on a tablet of stone, but in the tablets of human hearts. And what he's saying here is, um, we don't have to send these letters or these documented proofs of this thing. Your life is a testimony about what God is doing in your life and in the ministry and what God is here doing in the time of this earth. And I believe it's the same thing now. I don't think people want to be drawn to the next televangelist or the next big thing over here. I think the way that we change the world is that when we live in a way that our lives are irrefutably telling the story of the goodness of God. When they see that you can forgive and that you can give grace and that you can love and you can have compassion and that you can prefer others above yourself, when people see communities living like that, it's, it's unarguable that God is real and God is doing something in our lives. Acts kind of talks about this, Acts 4, 7, and I know I'm going fast, but it's just because I don't want to spend a lot of time rehashing last week, but Acts 4, 7 says this, it says, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? And uh, talking about how they had just healed a lame person. So they were doing ministry and they just healed a lame person. And so he got brought before the religious and they said, by what power uh, did you do this? And in verse eight, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if you are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you, all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, whom that this man stands before you healed. And so he's giving a testimony. He's giving vertical glory. He's giving glory back unto God. He's saying, hey, if you're asking how this thing happened, it happened because our relationship with God, the goodness of God, and he's, he's reflecting back the glory unto God. And then he says this. It says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. Therefore, no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Uh, funny thing here is Caesar ruled at this time, and so there's this massive empire, and they used to go around, um, they would ration the food, and they would control who got what, and uh, one of the ways that you would sort of be in line with that is you would actually say, um, there's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved, and you would say Caesar, Caesar is Lord, and uh, this was very controversial that they would say, hey, I know you guys say it's Caesar, but we're saying that it's Jesus, and uh, What's interesting here is, you'll see in a minute, they couldn't deny it because they saw it. They saw a, a lame person healed. And so in verse 13, after he kind of uses Caesar's catchphrase here, um, the Roman Empire's uh, catchphrase here, verse 13, he says this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Verse 14, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. There was, there was no arguing. There was nothing they could say. 
And I think in our lives as a community, when we live in such a way with an understanding that we're in a relationship with God who cares about us and he's leading us and he's directing us and he's, as the beginning of this verse said, he's empowered us with the Holy Spirit. We can live in a way that we can do things on earth. We can live in such a way that people will take note. Man, you know what? They are just ordinary people. They're Zealand people. They're West Michigan people. They're Holland people. They're ordinary people. But man, you can just tell that they've spent time with Jesus. You can just tell that they've spent time in the goodness of God. You can tell that they've spent their lives living in a way that, that they're led by someone other than themselves. They're following God. And then it ends by saying there was nothing they could say or refute. And I want it to be about us and about our church and about our community and people that we're connected with. I wish it could be said about us that, hey, man, it's a whole bunch of ordinary people over there. But they're doing some incredible things with God that we just, we can't even touch it. We can't even say anything about it because it's obvious. Somebody say amen. And so we were saying as we launched this church, um, it's about how we live. It's about how we interact. It's our story on display to our community. Um, we, we said this, we believe that the church does not need a mission. Rather, the mission needs a church. Therefore, our mission is to fulfill the great commission and the great command of Jesus Christ, which is Mark, uh, Mark 16, 15. Uh, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. That's one part of it. That's the, that's the great co commission. Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. But then it says this in Matthew 28 about it. It says, make disciples of all the nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And so what it's saying is, yes, it's important for us as Christians to preach and to stand up and to communicate and to do all those things. But what it says here is it's just as important for us to disciple ourselves, to be discipled, to be led by God, to put our life in order so that right here we can observe all things that God has commanded us. If all we ever did was stand on a soapbox and preach and hurl Christianese catchphrases and all these things, that's not enough. People are actually kind of sick of that and over that. Somebody say amen. What we have to do is the latter part where we disciple people and we live, ourselves, live in such a way that we observe the ways that God taught us to live. It's more than just what we say, it's what we do. It's how we've all been taught and trained. And, uh, and so it's, it's an action thing here. And uh, people say, well, you're really talking about works. You know, you really want us to get out there and do works. And, and, uh, and the scripture says, faith without works is dead. I mean, there is a call to our lives. There is a story. There is actions to how we live that give testimony unto the glory of God or not. And so it's both. We're going to preach the gospel, but we're also going to develop and, and, and get people to live in such a way that we're observing. And this is all of us. It's the, it's the pastors. It's everybody. We're all continually working at observing what God has taught us to do. Check this out. People say, you know, why a new church? Why, why did you plant another church in West Michigan or whatever? Um, check this out. In the United States, the United States has far more church buildings than the number of McDonald's, Starbucks, and Dunkin' Donut stores combined, giving the impression that there's a church facility on every corner and plenty of room for anyone who wants to take part in it. In reality, if the entire population of more than 300 million Americans wanted to go to an established church, including those that meet in storefronts, rented school facilities, and the like, more than half would be turned away, even if every church held three weekend services. 
So everybody says, well, you know, there, there's churches on every corner. There's all this kind of stuff. Listen, even here in West Michigan, where they call Grand Rapids Jerusalem, like Jerusalem, it's so Christian that they call it Jerusalem. Uh, 52% of the almost million people that are in the Grand Rapids Metro, 52% of them are decidedly unchurched, have no connection to church. There's a great need here for us to stop just preaching about things and just throwing our words around. There's a great need for us to finally put what God has equipped us with in action, put it in story for people to live and view and see because we got a, a huge world to reach. Somebody say amen. Are you with me? Amen. Isaiah 60 verse 1, it says, Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is upon you. So this is for you. This is for your life, all of our lives. Verse 2, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the hip. Uh, what this translation here for arise and shine, it translates into stand up and stand out. And so if you read it, it says, stand up and stand out for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is upon you. And then if you jump down, I love this part of the verse. It says, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Notice it didn't say that um, the, the, the Lord rises upon the church or the Lord rises upon the pastor. It says it rises upon you. God has a measure of glory in your life. And I know it's summer and it's Sunday morning and you're sitting there just kind of like, uh, but honestly, if you could ever tap into this idea or change your thinking that God has a measure of glory that has risen upon your life that you can access, that you can walk in, imagine what we could do in our community. If we walked in this knowing of like, man, God has a glory that he wants me to walk in to be able to pray for people and counsel people and help people and love people. Somebody say Amen. And so that's it. God, God has called us in this time to stand up and stand out. It's not a time for us to draw back and, and sit down. It's time for us to put our lives on display of what God is doing in us. Um, I think a lot of times we want to just speak scriptures or a catchphrase and send people to church and then say, oh, they'll get it. You know, they'll get it. They'll just go to church and they'll get it. But could you imagine if we lived an everyday life, a vertical story unto God in, in our everyday life, it wouldn't be so much about, oh, just if we can just get them to church. Church would be such a, a less part of the whole thing. Uh, and, and I just believe that's the way God's designed us to live. Uh, we all know this catchphrase that says, preach Jesus and use words if necessary. I think that's how we should live. We should be preaching Jesus in our lives and using words if we have to. Uh, people always say this, that they may never read a Bible. People in your life that you come in contact with, they may never read a Bible, but they read you every day. So preach well. I mean, some people may never dig into the Bible and find out the God's truths about their life, but they'll watch you. And uh, it's not to put you on a pedestal and say you can never fail and you can never have a bad day. But if you live in an awareness that, hey, I'm an influencer, I can make a difference in my community, I think God helps you from failing and falling and missing it. Somebody say that's good. So we have to preach well with our lives. John 13, 35 says, but... By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How does the world know that we're living a vertical story and that God is with us and he's in us? Is when we can show love to one another. That's how we can show a vertical story is that when there's love for one another. Matthew 5, 14, we sang about it this morning. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. 
and we're in City on a Hill. <laughs> Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, that they may see your vertical story and give glory to your Father in heaven. When people see our good deeds and the way that we live in our vertical story, the scripture says that they then give glory to our Father in heaven. When they recognize the God in our lives, it causes them to then understand and relate and give glory to our God. Amen? I have a secret. I don't think we're going to change the world through Christian television. I think it, some of it's a good thing. Some of it, not so much. Uh, it's not going to be through the next traveling evangelist, the next Christian television thing. It's not even going to be the next worship hit, song title, whatever. It's going to be when people get it and have this understanding that I'm living a vertical story. Everything that I do is giving glory unto God. People say, yes, that's inspiring to me. I get that. I want to connect to that. You are a product right now in your life of either where you were accepted or rejected. Some of you have heard me say this before. The people you hang with, the people that you connected with, the people who make up your life are a product of people that have accepted you, and the people that are not a part of your life are a product of people that have rejected you. And as a church, if we can live this vertical story of loving people, connecting people, accepting people, and then discipling like we talked about, if we can do that, all pointing it towards God, I think that we win. Amen. And so Monday, um, I was at a funeral uh, yeah, that way, here in Zealand, and um, you wouldn't believe it. I'm just going to give you a real moment. Um, there's probably like 100 and some people there, 120 or something, and this will never, ever happen again, but I was the second most dressed up person there. <laughs> like, no one sent me the memo that funeral-like attire has gone down, so I'm like in a tie and a whole thing, and my wife's like, this is, is this happening? Josh is the second best dressed person here? Like, what's happening? So um, anyway... But so I'm sitting in the service, and I begin to think of a sermon um, that I've heard preached at funerals, and I've actually used this part before because it's inspired me. But they had a huge screen up to the left, and it was a church member of ours, mother who passed away and lived an incredible life. She was in her 90s. And uh, they had this huge screen up there, and it had the date uh, of, obviously, you know, so it says the name, and it says, born here, passed away here, and then there's the dash in the middle. And uh, I've heard people say at funerals before, uh, what is your dash? What does your dash say about you? And so I'm thinking of this sermon in this series, and I'm sitting here, and I'm, and I'm listening to everything, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm listening to everybody talk. And so now at this point, uh, forgive me if, if this is like awful for me to do, but at this point, everybody who's talking, I'm sort of keeping score at this point about what they say. Okay, so what is this person saying about this person who's passed away? They never get up there and talk about well, you know, they, you know, is a female who passed away, but he or she, you know, they, uh, you know, they just had a great job. You know, I got to say about them, you know, they just really had a great job. And man, the car, you know, they just had great cars and, you know, they just always had great houses. No, what did they get up there and talk about? Stories, stories that changed their life. So what is your dash? Your dash is your stories. They get up there and they say, oh, you know, in this, from here to here, the dash that's in the middle, What's it about? Your stories, the way you made people feel, the way you pointed people, the way you accepted people or encouraged people or discouraged. They always get up there and talk about what you did with that dash. It's a vertical story. 
That's what your life is. And the scripture says we go from dust to dust. What's in between? Our story. What we've done with others. Not, not in the, the scripture we saw this morning. Not what you've accumulated. Not what you've uh, gathered. Not what you've been able to buy and build and do all those kind of things. The scripture is like all that stuff goes away. What does your dash say about you here on earth? What does your story say? What are you building that's eternal? Somebody say amen. And so we have to think about that in our life. People say, well, you're talking a lot about this story and our life is a story and whatever. The scripture goes on and on about how it's our story that matters. Uh, in scripture, and I, and I didn't pull it up, but I just thought of it right now. In scripture, as they would travel along the road, a lot of times when God would do something in their life or they've had an encounter or they've had a breakthrough, uh, they would command, God would command them to stack stones. So they would essentially build this monument of this moment that God did. Why? Because when they passed by there, they would do what? They would stop and tell the story. Why? Because the story is valuable. The vertical story, the things that we're living, the, the moments of, you know what? God did this and it matters and it broke me through and it got me past this. Not only does it build your faith when you tell the stories, but it, it gives the glory unto God and then God gives back. And the vertical story matters. The scripture says this that we overcome by the blood of the lamb in the word of our testimony. Our words, our, our, our life story, our vertical story matters because that's how we overcome. That's how we win in this life. And I think where the enemy has really kind of messed us is where we've made it about the tradition. And I'm not coming against anybody or anything like that, but a lot of times we say, oh, if we can just put it in this box and we can say, this is God, then we don't make it about our own story. We make it about that story. Amen? And so we say, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to focus on living my own story and what God wants to do in my life. Let's just keep doing that because that's easy and manageable. <laughs> okay? And that's not it. God's thing, the scripture says, is he's taking us from glory into glory. And so we respect that and we honor that and we stand on that. But God is always calling us into more. And sometimes it makes us uncomfortable and sometimes it does this and whatever. But you know the greatest stories that are told? are not the easy ones. Hey, you guys wouldn't believe it. I had a good day yesterday. I got out of bed, nailed it, totally nailed it. Who's, I mean, like you guys will never have a day like that. No, no one talks about that. It was funny yesterday. I told those guys not to tell, but yesterday we set up last night and uh, we were streaming the horse race. And, um, and I was like, okay, bros, we're not going to talk about that. We just watched horse racing, but, uh, but I just did. So, um, so we kind of got done. We like made it our goal to get everything set up in time. And uh, so we threw up the thing. And it was funny. Everyone's all into it. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, the Kentucky Derby winner has to win another race, which is the Preakness. Yeah. And then uh, the third one is the Belmont. And it's a triple crown. And no one's won the triple crown since Secretariat. And uh, that was in 78. And so we're all like, we're into it. We're watching horse racing. Like, yeah, we're doing. The but when he didn't win... It was like, bloop, and we just shut off the thing. We didn't even care about the other guy. Why? Because it wasn't a great story. It wasn't, a, wasn't something that required a lot. And so I think that's it about our lives. If, if the devil, if the enemy can just get us to keep it simple and easy and uninspiring, then the world will never change. We'll never make a difference. But if we can step out of our boat and do something different and trust an extraordinary God and do something extraordinary, somebody say amen. Are you with me? That's a vertical story. That's giving glory unto God. That's the people that give up time in their life to serve at a church and love on kids. That's a vertical story. We make it about like, oh, this big miracle, or whatever. No, it's, it's being committed and being faithful in a generation that says like, hey, make it about yourself. 
iPod, iPad. Make it all about yourself. Do your own thing. Ten steps to be your best you for yourself. No, let's live a vertical story that gives glory unto God. Amen? Uh, Scripture says this about some of the Bible greats. Well, let me say this first. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Our life is no longer about our life. It's about God who's living on the inside of us and calling us into things that give glory. Amen? And so that's got to be our idea, is that we live in Christ lives in us. We live in Christ. It's about what he wants to do here on, our, on earth. I thought about it like this uh, as I get close to close. Everything in Scripture that we do unto God, we have to do with all our heart. It's Christ that live in us. We're doing this unto God. We have to do it with our best effort. Uh, the Scripture says this about David. It says that David played his harp skillfully. The Scripture pointed it out that he did it in a way that it was very skillful. He was very good at what he did. He gave glory unto God by what he did. Uh, they said about Daniel... Daniel was one who was found with an excellent spirit, is what the scripture says. The vertical story, his story about him was that he was excellent. He put all his heart into it. He made an effort. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the scripture not only says that they took a stand and walked into the fiery furnace, but it said about them that their countenance was fairer, meaning that they had a great countenance about them. They knew how to carry themselves. They, 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 uh, they stood out. As the scripture said, rise and shine. They stood up and they stood out. Uh, their countenance was fair. And then I want to, will you guys let me, 10 more minutes? Will you guys give me that? Okay, all right. Queen of Sheba, and I'm going to close with this. Uh, they said this about the Queen of Sheba. So here's this story. The Queen of Sheba has heard some things about Solomon and his palace, and she goes to visit him. And we find this story in 1 Kings 10, verse 1. It says, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship with the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. So I'm going to back up. I'm going to break down each scripture. So it said, when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon and his relationship with the Lord, it always has to be both. It has to be both. You have to live your life in a way that, that people can take a look at you and notice there's excellence in you, there's something different about you, but it always has to be paired with an obvious relationship with God. Otherwise, again, you're making it about yourself. It's not a vertical story. And so right here, one thing that we notice right away about Solomon is that his life was a testimony of both, what he was able to do here on earth in relationship with God. Verse two, well, actually, let me back up again. So it was both, his relationship with the Lord, and then she came to test him. And so I do want to say this. Anytime you're walking with God and you're doing things for God, uh, there's going to be situations that come and test you. Somebody say amen. But notice this, and we'll see it here at the end of the story. She came to test him, but you'll see in a minute that the testing led to provision. Every time you have a test in your life, it leads to provision. It's the same thing in our normal nature. You go to school and you take a test and you get promoted, right? If you pass the test, I should say. Same thing in our relationship with God. Sometimes testing comes and if you do it and if, you, you know, if you're trusting God and you make the right choices, it always leads to promotion. You say, well, I don't know how I feel about that doctrine with God testing people. If you go back into your scripture and you look at Abraham when he was called to go kill uh, his son, and make a sacrifice, the header on your Bible is going to say God tested Abraham. 
And it's the same story there. As soon as he was willing to make a sacrifice, God stopped him and said, hey, I've provided for you what? An answer, a provision, a ram caught in a thicket. Anytime God tests and you make it, he, he promotes and, and brings provision. We could talk about the children of Israel. They kept missing it, going around the mountain, around the mountain. When they passed the test, they finally walked in. And uh, every time there's a test, just know that there's provision attached to it. So don't quit. Somebody say amen. Verse 2, arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, not grand caravan, great caravan. They didn't have minivans yet. So arriving at Jerusalem with a great caravan with camels carrying spices, just so you know, back in Scripture, uh, that's how they carried and distributed wealth. A camel was like the semi-truck of its day. That's how you carried uh, heavy machinery or lots of things. So, um, so they came with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones. She came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Um, and so verse three, Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. And so I want to point this out. Uh, he was well studied. He had answers for her. And there's going to come a time in your life where you're living your vertical story that you have to give answers for things. And uh, I want to encourage you. It sounds like such a kid's church lesson, but like the scripture says, we have to be ready to give an account, to be able to share or give an answer um, to topics, to people in the, in the world. And so you have to start studying some things that you believe uh, in your call. And so be well, be well studied, be ready to give answers to things that people may have for you. And that's why I love um, the Bible app. If you jump on your iPad or your smartphone and you download the Bible app, it's free. It's by lifechurch.tv. Um, there's devotionals on there. You can pick the topics. And so you can go on there and you can say, I want to learn more about peace. I want to learn more about faith. I want to learn. And it'll put you on a learning plan. And every day it'll give you scriptures to read and thoughts, um, some writings. Like, hey, here's a guy who wrote this about faith or whatever. Uh, download that app. Get it. There's also one for your kids. And it's, it's developed really fun. Uh, as you go through the Bible, uh, you can uh, gain achievements. So you win stars by doing this and doing that, and it really keeps it interactive for them. And so learn your stuff. Uh, we're going to, here in the fall, we're going to launch a book of the month where all of us, obviously you're not required to, uh, but we think that there's power in unity. And so if we can all kind of be reading the same book at the same time, uh, that kind of brings us all together, but puts our thinking in the same flow. And, uh, and so we're going to do like a book of a month. Why? Because we want to be educated, because we want to be able to give an answer uh, when we need to. Amen. So when the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom that Solomon and saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, verse five, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, and the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers and the burnt offerings which he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed. So she saw all the excellence. She saw everything in order. She saw that he was able to give an answer. She saw that everything was put in place. The scripture says that she was overwhelmed with it. My prayer, wouldn't it be awesome if as we're going after God and we're building this church and we're uh, changing our community, wouldn't it be awesome if when people connect with us and we do certain things, people leave saying, man, I'm just overwhelmed with the goodness of God at Vertical Church and what they do. Somebody say Amen. And so, uh, so she was overwhelmed. I think it's unfortunate that a lot of what is done in the name of Christ or in Christianity is very underwhelming. How many of you would agree? And, uh, and we're going to change that together. Verse number six. She said to the king, the report I heard on my own, in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. Verse seven. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes 
Indeed, not even half was told to me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report that I heard. Uh, some of us need to underpromise and overdeliver. <laughs> some of us, we're on our Facebooks, we're just saying a bunch of crazy. We need to back it down a step and underpromise and overdeliver. Somebody say amen. Uh, but my prayer about this is that, again, we live as a community of people that in such a way the word is getting out. She said from her country she heard. From where she was she heard about what was going on. And then when she got there, it was even greater than what she heard. If we're living in a vertical story in the way that God called us to live in a vertical church and giving glory unto God, it should spread and affect more than just here. That's why we have missionaries right now in the Philippines and in Mexico. That's why we uh, have Doran, DJ, out there playing right now uh, at a camp. Why? Because what takes place here is important, but it's not everything. It should spread. Amen? Uh, and then uh, it said this in verse 8, How happy your people must be, how happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Verse 9, Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. Our story is always about maintaining justice and righteousness on the earth. If it ever gets away from that, then it's putting glory unto ourselves. Verse 10, and she gave the king 120 talents of gold, large quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again were so many spices brought in as those of the Queen of Sheba brought to Solomon. Uh, provision followed an excellent vertical story. When he was giving glory unto God and he had answer and he had uh, what we had said at the beginning of the service, when he put the instructions and the discipleship that God has called us in, when all of those things were in order, when he kept the commands and he kept things in an excellent manner, uh, provision followed and that whole region was changed because of a, a vertical story. I believe that we are the body of Christ and I believe that the body of Christ is the hope of the world. Bill Hybels has that saying, which is absolutely incredible. I don't think that the world's answer is going to come from government or the next flashy idea or the next thing. I think that when the body of Christ, the hope of the world, takes its place, we'll see change. Somebody say amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? In a minute, I'm going to have the prayer team come forward. If you're in here and uh, you've never made a commitment for Christ and uh, prayed a prayer of salvation, that prayer team will be able to lead you in that. They're not going to embarrass you or call you out or anything like that. Uh, they'll be up here willing to pray and, and ready to pray with you. I want to encourage you to do that if you've never done that before. Uh, but the rest of you, if you're here and you're like, man, you know, a lot to think about, which I agree, I'm with you. Uh, I want to pray for all of us as a group to just not just hear a sermon and say, yeah, you know, it's kind of a good thing or it makes a good catchphrase or a good logo or I, I see how it all makes sense. Let's pray that like God reveals things to you. Like the scripture says that there's a glory of God that rises upon you. And um, maybe it's like a new ministry that you're a part of. Maybe it's like something you launch. Maybe it's this thing that God has called you into or you need to put more energy or emphasis on something, whatever it is spending more time with your kids or your family or home or whatever, uh, my prayer that you leave here is that we not just say like, hey, that all made sense and then go back to living the way we've always lived. Let's pray that like we have this understanding of our vertical story and that it can lead people unto the goodness of God. Amen. So let's pray together. God, we love you so much. We thank you for today. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you're calling us, like the word says, from glory to glory. God, I thank you that 
uh, as we follow you, as we step out of the boat, as we trust you, you do incredible things in our lives. And uh, we know those stories of you, of our word and our testimony. Lord, we know that those break down walls and they break through boundaries and, and uh, ultimately they lead people to you. Uh, and God, I just ask that this week, uh, Lord, we set our eyes on you. We set our eyes on this idea of giving glory unto you, living a vertical story that points to you because we know by the blood of the lamb, by you and the word of our testimony, we overcome and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.